Buongiorno amici. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italiano. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and I'm here with Il Favoloso, Il Famoso, and Il Fantastico Tommaso. Whew. Right? That's teed you up. I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> Some, talk about a gold star. Sometimes I'm known to exaggerate. <laughs> I don't think any of them are a complete exaggeration. You self-called yourself <laughs> Il Favoloso. You, that is bad grammar. You named yourself Il Favoloso. Whatever. Okay, carrying on. We thought it was prime time to share some updates for spring and summer travel to Belle Italia. Every year they implement a few new policies to try and make visitors' trips as enjoyable as possible considering how crowded it can get during the travel season. And we're going to be sharing all these rules, the news, and updates with you because, well, next month we're off and we need to know them ourselves. First, we're going to the island of Mallorca, Spain for a week, specifically for a deep dive into the city of Palma, where I have a lot of sailing mates. And then over to Italy for three weeks, where we are off to Lake Garda for some exploration around that wonderful windy body of water. After that, we tootle up to the Bolzano and the Dolomites for several days. Then we're back to sea level in Venice for six days. And then a couple of days in Verona and Padua thrown in for good measure. Then back through the wonderful city of Copenhagen to have dinner with our friends. We're going to a whole bunch of places. And as usual, we will try and have a lot of fun. And share all of it with you. So you don't want to, like, break any of these rules in any of these places. And Lago di Garda has a lot of them. I don't want to be breaking any of the rules either. So I'm glad we're going over them because you know how out of control I can be. <laughs> all right. Let's start from scratch here. I just want to say that Italy is number four on the list of the most visited European countries after France, Spain, and Turkey. France had 79.5 million visitors in 2022, which is the latest data tallied by the Schengen Zone. Spain had almost 72 million people, Turkey 50.5 million, and Italy was just shy of 50 million people. But it's the smallest country by far sure, yeah. compared to those three. None of those other countries you can actually go like from top to bottom in a day. No. So knowing where to stay and how to get around in each place is where my travel planning can make your trip as perfect as possible. And we've said it before, but Italy is so beloved for so many reasons, which is why it remains toward the top of this list. However, you can get frustrated if you weren't aware of the, let's say, the touristy sections in Firenze or if you chose what you thought was a private tour to the Colosseum, and when you showed up, it was anything but that. Can I just break in for one second? Sure. I just saw something on Facebook. I was checking our Facebook messages this morning, and there was a couple that went to the Trevi Fountain and the Spanish Steps today, and they posted. And they said, wrong time to come, I guess. It's oh, February. Geez. It was a mob scene. The weather's warm. The weather's warm, yep. and it was... People like sitting on the Spanish steps, which is, lunch, which, which is which is not allowed anymore. Exactly, but they were. Ay ay ay. Well, 
my personal experience and all the Italian colleagues I work with can prevent all of these mishaps and give you la vacanza perfetta. Allora, Tommaso and I read just about everything there is on Italy on a daily basis, each on our own, but we share articles, etc. So we have saved some of these and we want to share them with you on the various updates and policies and we will quote directly from a few sources. Let's start with Bologna. This is from Arch Daily, which is an architectural site and newsletter. Quote, Bologna officials announced plans to secure and repair the leaning Garisenda Tower, which is a medieval structure in the center of the Italian city. Earlier last month, the area surrounding the tower was secured after raising fears of collapse as monitoring had found shifts in the direction of the tilt. The 47-meter tall tower leans at a four-degree angle, similar to its more famous counterpart, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The two towers were built between 1109 and 1119 by rival families and are believed to have been a way to compete for power and status. The ground gave way soon after construction, creating a tilt in both towers. Because of this, the Garisenda was reduced in height in the 14th century as it was originally measured at 60 meters. These towers are constantly monitored for any changes. The sensors pick up indication of increasing deterioration in the materials that make up the base of the Garisenda. Therefore, the city council closed the site in October of 2023 with a barrier designed to protect the people and surrounding buildings in case of a collapse. The area is now under a yellow alert, meaning the structure is closely monitored but poses no immediate risk to people's safety. Unquote. And when you and I were there last year, Tommaso, neither tower appears in real life to be leaning as much as the leaning tower. No. Right? Correct. But we wanted you to know this because if your goal is to go to Bologna and see it in all its beauty, it may, this these two towers may be blocked off and that is a very sweet section. We walk by it through them every day, many times a day. So this could potentially be surrounded by a barrier. And I must say, laying in bed. Yes. They were red colored at times. We were there. They had well, red Well, because lights. of the sun. Oh, right. Oh, I see. They were colored with lights deliberately for the Christmas holiday. Yes. We were laying in bed looking at them. Yeah, it was. It was one of those pinch me moments. Right. They haven't stated as to when this restoration could start, but it may be blocked off sporadically if they notice more shifts from the sensors. So that's what's happening in Bologna. On to Venezia, Venice, and its crowds. The following article was written by Anna Summers Cox, who was the chair of the Venice in Peril Fund for 13 years, and this was recently published in the Art Newspaper Daily. She writes about over-tourism around the globe and the measures other countries have taken to combat it. Quote, There is now excess demand everywhere for places of outstanding beauty and fame. So the concept of managing numbers in order not to spoil their exceptional nature is widely accepted. French Polynesia will be imposing a limit of 280,000 visitors by 2027. Per year, that is. 
I'm glad we went in 2000. Right. The Acropolis now allows only 20,000 people a day. That That is mind-boggling. Right. With a time slot reservation system that will start in April, the Galapagos Islands restrict numbers by imposing a $100 entry charge. And this one is shocking as well. Amsterdam has ceased to advertise itself as a tourist attraction. And Trentino Alto Adige has stopped private cars from driving up to the Alpine Meadow, the Sicer Alm. In more and more cities and towns from Berlin to Barcelona, permission to open B&Bs is being denied so that they do not reduce the supply of housing for residents. That's a huge problem in Venice. I mean, only like 30% of the housing stock is occupied by people who actually live there. I think it's even lower. Really? To be honest. Mm -hmm. Continuing on with this woman's take in the article on Venice, she says, every visitor to Venice should be seen as a potential supporter and treated as such. The glory of the city, but also the signs of the rising water level, the eroding stone and brickwork, the dire predictions on climate change should be pointed out to them so that they get roped in as a global club of Venice champions. Absolutely. That's very well said, isn't it? And I just heard recently, I think, I don't know, the other day I mentioned that the cruise ships are going to abandon Venice. They say so, and then they come back, they ban them, they come back. So you can't really say that 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 is 100% true. Okay, well, I heard, we'll go into that next episode, I think. I'll I'll research that. You do the research. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Therefore, this woman's opinion on the new five euro tax is that it's way too low. Agreed. Exactly. For example, it costs 25 euro to enter the Uffizi in Firenze, yet Venezia offers so much architecture and historic beauty just walking around it. Here is another article quickly because this is very important about what Venezia is trying to do. This article is from The Guardian. And this is molto, molto importante for those of you going to Venezia this year. Quote, legislation due to go into effect in June of 2024 will limit the size of organized groups in public places up to 25 people, referring to tour groups. It will also include a crackdown on unauthorized guides and a ban on the use of loudspeakers to impart the information. Trade Councillor Sebastiano Costalonga told the press that the administration wants strict rules respecting the fragility of Venice, its traffic flow, and the interaction between visitors and those who live there. Last September, Venice was threatened with the possibility of being included on UNESCO's World Heritage Danger List. I mean, I think it should be by default. Right? For but because, any one of number of reasons, which we've described here. But because of that, Venice's city council swiftly activated a long-stalled decision on charging a fee to enter the lagoon and its islands of Murano, Burano, and Torcello. It remains to be seen what effects the move will have on visitor numbers. Five euro is not going to affect Hold on, I'm, I'm okay. getting there. And this is what they came up with, this town council. And this fee on 29 designated 
quote unquote super busy days in the spring and summer of 2024, anyone over the age of 14 will have to pay an entry fee. This entry fee has been fixed at five euro to be paid in advance through a website, cda.ve.it, which is functioning now. And we will include the URL on our show notes. Even those exempted from payment, which those exemptions are clearly listed on the site, will need to register to obtain a QR code to be shown at the spot checks at all main points of entrance. If you arrive totally unaware of these new rules, you can pay the five euro on the spot. Seems a little easier, right, than logging on, entering your information, getting the QR code. I think it should be 50 euro on the spot if you don't. Exactly. I think collectively everyone agrees it should be much higher, at least 25 euro per person. But so far, it's only on 29 specific dates, which are listed on the website. Seems a little haphazard, but we'll see. If this pilot system works this year, the following years may have an increase of up to 10 euro, they say, and perhaps a cap on entry numbers, which everyone agrees should be implemented. Limit the amount of people per day. And along those thoughts, I will say that all my clients that have visited Venezia in the last few years during the spring and summer months They were grateful that I let them know in advance how crowded it would be. But to be honest, they all said they were still shocked, still bummed out a bit at how intensely crowded it was. I mean, I don't mean to sound like an elitist that to limit the numbers and raise the prices. But the simple fact is, if something isn't acted upon, a lot of these places won't be around for the future. No. That's that's a simple fact. Correct. Due to all these things we just listed, climate change, erosion, just too much of everything. All right, so that's Venezia, molto importante. Let's go on to new train routes. This is from Afar Magazine, spelled A-F-A-R, which, by the way, I think is a great publication with beautiful photography. Quote, in an effort to meet the ever-increasing demand for unique railway experiences and create more sustainable journeys throughout the country, Treni Turistici Italiani, which simply means the Italian tourist trains, is launching new routes in 2024, taking travelers beyond the typical city hotspots. Some of these routes might head to lesser-known areas or visit familiar places, but always in a slower, more environmentally friendly way than a flight or a car trip would be. And I must say, probably a more enjoyable way. Well, let me explain it. Because and you can decide. Okay. It's called the Espresso Cadore. And this route is the first of Italy's new tourist train initiatives to launch in 2024, catering to the resurgence of night trains in Europe. Yes. Those were the days. Yes. I loved them. But they were kind of gross. And <laughs> <laughs> these won't be. These sleeper trains, restored from train cars built in the 1980s and 1990s, take travelers on weekends from Rome through the night up to the Dolomites to Cortina di Ampezzo, home to the 1956 Winter Olympics and the soon-to-be main site of the 2026 Winter Games, hoping there's still snow. 
So the Espresso Cadore leaves Rome, the Termini station, on Friday nights at 9.50 p.m. and arrives at the station just about 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. Can I just raise my hand here and speak in? Sure. I want to set a goal. I know, but hold on. There's several options here that I think you would like. Okay. Ready? So you leave Friday night during the winter months. You arrive Friday night at almost 10 p.m. You arrive at 8 a.m. And then from there is an included bus, a coach bus, that takes everyone directly to the center of Cortina di Ampezzo. That bus is 50 minutes. So train ride, 50-minute bus ride, you're there. But you're talking you're talking tactical here. I want to talk strategic. We need to be in Cortina for the 2026 Winter Olympics. You and I. Bob Bene. Okay. Okay. Goal. All right. Fantastic. We'll start in Rome, have dinner at my favorite place, and then we'll take the, take the train. <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> we'll book now. <laughs> and then for your return on Sunday nights, the train returns to Rome, leaving from the same station in the Dolomites at 9 p.m. and arrives in Rome at 6.40 a.m. on Monday. You can make it to your job if you're an Italian working in Rome, or if you're a visitor, you go have an espresso and start your day. I just I just want to go to the Olympics in Cortina. Okay, focus, right? I'm talking about the train here, <laughs> not the Olympics. This is a whole new concept. The fact that they're reintroducing the night train in Italy, I think, is brilliant, right? And this route from Rome to the Dolomites runs seasonally through the end of February, but then it resumes again in the summer months. So how fabulous for a tourist to be in Rome and say, hey, let's take the night train and go up to the Dolomites for the weekend. Isn't that great? Absolutely. Again, let me just remind you, we're going to the Olympics. Oh, enough. Basta, basta. <laughs> okay. A few more trains. Ready? For those of you who would like a refined and glamorous experience, the Orient Express called La Dolce Vita will be up and running later this year. They currently offer eight itineraries, which are normally two days and three nights. Yet it's a bit of a formal affair where guests dress for dinner. And I read in the fine details, flip-flops <laughs> are strictly forbidden on the train. I guess I'm not throwing out any of my mini suits I have in the closet. Mm -hmm. It's quite expensive, but apparently quite the experience. These trains have been refurbished to bring back La Dolce Vita ambiance, but with all the modern comforts you would expect at this price point. And then there is also the Venice Simplon Express from Paris to Portofino. Oh. Two fabulous places, right? Oh. This is also an overnighter, just one night, and very, very high-end and luxurious. They actually require a ball gown and black tie for dinner. <laughs> really? Yeah, pricey, you can imagine. But man, I would do that in a heartbeat. Wouldn't that be fun if we just had a group of friends and someone had won the lottery and we all go? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we have time for one more. We have so much left, we might have to do a second episode. But next up, there is a new direct flight from London to Bolzano in the Dolomites. For those of you who live in England or for others that can choose a connection at the London Stansted Airport, the airline called Sky Alps offers a flight every Wednesday and Sunday to Bolzano. It's a 76-seat 
turboprop plane and will take about two and a half hours. So, Tommaso, does a prop plane of that size fly lower than like a a normal airplane? Yeah, but even on our flight from Copenhagen the last time to Milan, um, it was pretty low. So My point is, I imagine it would be a stunning, stunning view to fly over the Alps in a smaller plane. Yes, it'd be even better in a private jet, yes. <laughs> oh, well, when one of our friends <laughs> wins the lottery and we go to Paris, from Paris to Portofino on the Venice Simplon Express, we'll then fly Okay. on the private jet up to the Dolomiti. You know, I have so much left on these new rules and regulations for 2024. Can we, let's do another episode next week because I have super interesting information on the Amalfi Coast and Lago di Garda. They have come out with the most rules and it's pretty interesting. So next week, facciamo la stessa. We do the same. Okie dokie. All right. Grazie mille tutti e ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.